Because it's Father's Day, I just really wanted to uh, preach to you a Father's Day message. And um, my, uh, the Lord led me to Genesis 18. So we'll go there, Genesis 18, verses 16 through 21. And we're going to read about the attributes of a godly father as we look at the life of Abraham. But it says, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to eat, to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now, I just want to say, you feel like the world's falling apart, but it says here that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham's seed. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And uh, Lord, you just, uh, your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. And Lord, we thank you that you give us instruction as fathers, as dads, as the heads of our homes, Lord, to lead our families. And as we look at that today, I just pray, God, you speak to every heart. You know every need here. Um, Lord, you know those that are discouraged, those needing encouragement, those needing guidance and wisdom. Lord, just speak and touch and, and make whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, as you know, the nuclear family is the foundation for society, isn't it? Um, and as it goes, so goes our world. So goes the church, so goes our nation, so goes the world. And fathers need to be at home, don't they? Leading their homes. Uh, it's essential that they do that because they're, they're the head. Now, I remember one time <laughs> I was asked as a pastor uh, to go speak to uh, a cl class at the community college, some marriage and family class. And I chose to, pre uh, to go in there and read from Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, where Paul talks about, you know, child, uh, marriage and, fam and family. When I got to the classroom, it was all ladies. <laughs> yeah. And when I read about that submission part, I thought they were going to come out of their chairs and beat me up, you know, because they did not like that. And they were all Baptist women. I, you know, I didn't get that. So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> But when you look at the context of what we just read, Sodom and Gomorrah, the outcry of their sin had come up to God. And he had come down to go see for himself. And of course, God knows everything. This is kind of anthropomorphic expressions here uh, to help us understand. But God came down to speak with Abraham. And, uh, and we see... 
these comments he makes about Abraham. He's going to command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord can bring to Abraham uh, what he has promised him. And, um, but when we look at Sodom and Gomorrah, what do we see? We see a society that has become unraveled. It is on the path to destruction because the nuclear family has disintegrated. And it's not, the dads aren't in place. And when you read about Sodom and Gomorrah, just there in 18 and 19 of Genesis, you see how depraved and how perverted they had become. Does that sound like anything familiar to you today in our world? And so with that, <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah back then, it was important to God that as he was, and in fact, God chose Abraham. You think about the, uh, the book of Genesis. He had already destroyed the world through a flood in Genesis 6 and on through there, 9, 10. And then in 11, uh, chapter 11, there's the Tower of Babel where they're, they're not doing what God told them to do, which was to scatter and multiply and inhabit the world. But they were gathering wanted, and building a tower wanting to make a name for themselves. And, um, and so they really were not worshiping God. And so God scattered, you know, tore up the tower and scattered them. And then in chapter 12, he calls Abram to make a covenant with him and to start a godly lineage a godly line a godly seed and he would make a covenant with him and through his seed his promised son and and it, eventually Jesus would come a reverse of the curse and the blessing of the Lord would come upon all nations and um and it would uh and it would redeem the world so um <clears throat> I just uh thought of some attributes looking at uh, Abraham that I think are needed in every father here today. And the first one is a godly father knows his heavenly father. And you might say, duh. <laughs> but <clears throat> when I say a godly father knows his heavenly father, two words come to my mind, trust and obey. Have you ever heard the hymn, trust and obey? Well, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And when I think of the trust element, uh, Abraham, God has promised him, uh, you know, that he's going to make him a mighty nation. And um, yet he doesn't have a son. He's childless. And he's already an old man. He's past the stage of being able to reproduce. And... Uh, Yet in Genesis 15, God takes Abraham outside and he says, look up. I'll just read the scripture. He brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And just because Abraham believed God's promise that his offspring would be as numberless as the stars in the sky, he believed and that gave Abraham right standing with God. 
His faith gave him right standing with God. And he's, in Romans 4, Paul talks about Abraham is the father of our faith. And when we speak of the father of medicine, the father of this and the father of that, you read in Genesis, there's the father of uh, Jubal, who was the father of those who play the harp. Jabel was the father of those who lived in tents, something like that. Because it started with them. So where, where did our faith originate? The faith that you had when you believed the promise of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, and he is Lord of all. And if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. When you heard that preached and you knew you were a sinner and you needed right standing with God, you believed on the Lord. You called on the name of the Lord. You put your trust in Jesus Christ and you were saved. You were delivered. You were made righteous in the eyes of God. You had right standing with God the Father. You had the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you as a robe, right? And now you stand before the Lord and it's not because of anything you have done. It's not because of your righteousness. Bobby said it earlier, our righteousness before God is filthy rags. But it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we receive the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We are saved. And it's the same faith that Abraham had when he believed the promise of God and God accounted it to him as righteousness. So we're here today because of our, our faith in Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. In him we are complete. There's nothing we can do to add to our right standing with God. He did it all. Religion is doing. Christianity is done. It's a done thing. Jesus Christ paid it all. He did it all. And there's nothing we can do to get right standing with God, but to trust in the one he provided. And that's his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing is obedience. And uh, we have to trust and we have to obey. Fathers. Well, Abraham and Sarah, we saw a weak moment in their life. And, uh, you know, Abraham listened to his wife. That's a good thing to do. That's another attribute for men to listen to your wives, right? But this time it got Abram in, or Abraham in trouble. And I'm, I'm going to say Abram, Abraham, because his name changed somewhere in there, you know. He was Abram, he became Abraham. But at this stage, he's Abram. But Abraham's wife said, you know, I, this, the, the promise of having a child is not coming to pass. So maybe we need to do something about it. So why don't you just take my maid servant, Hagar, the Egyptian, uh, just take her and, and um, have a child, our child through her. So they did. And they had Ishmael. And that didn't work. Because then Hagar began to despise her Lord, right? Sarah. And uh, Sarah got jealous and said, get her out of here, you know. But Ishmael was a result of the work of the flesh. Leaning 
to their own understanding. In fact, I wrote down Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Well, in this case, Abraham and Sarah had a weak moment and they leaned to their own understanding. And the result of that was a work of the flesh. It wasn't the work of God. And it became a problem. Um, So dads, uh, husbands, (laughs) we must learn to trust and obey while waiting upon the Lord to fulfill His promises. Trust and obedience their brothers or their friends. They go right together. Trust and obedience. It's not just enough to trust, is it? But God wants us to obey as well. And um, trust and disobedience, they're not compatible. Our disobedience will create Ishmael's works of the flesh. How many ever leaned to your own understanding, tried to help God, and the result was a failure? <laughs> I think we've all been there and done that. But you know, Paul, he, he kind of overlooked Abraham's mistake. <laughs> he says in Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 22, that Abraham, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Well, that's the kind of faith we want to have, right? We don't walk by our sight, but we walk by faith. Our trust is in God. Our dependency is upon Him. We know we're weak, but He's strong. We're not able, but He is more than able. Nothing is too hard or too difficult for the Lord. He is not slack concerning His promises. He will fulfill every word. None of it will fall to the ground. Every word of the Lord will come to pass. Right on? All right. Yes. All right. Another attribute, a godly father imparts the covenant blessing to his children. How many of you laid hands on your kids? I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) To pray for them. (laughs) To pray for them. I tell you what, that discipline stuff, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, that was never easy. I read this book and I I used it. I would... uh, I would hit my son with it. No, I'm just kidding. But I would, uh, the discipline part, just that time of, you know, you go through it and they cry and you start, you're like, okay, you need to tell daddy you love him. This is what this book said to do. And I would sit there 30 minutes waiting for my son to tell me, I love you, you know, after I spanked him. Um, and we would hug. And anyway, I'm just, I threw that out there because I know, Uh, The discipline part is hard many times. But uh, Abraham imparted the covenant blessing to his son Isaac. Isaac imparted it to Jacob. That's a good story to read, Jacob and Esau, uh, about the blessing. Jacob imparts the blessing to his 12 sons who becomes the nation of Israel. 
And the covenant blessing, it meant more than land inheritance. Through Abraham's seed, Jesus, God would reverse the curse. I said this earlier. The curse is sin and death. And he would bring the blessing of righteousness and eternal life. And we are beneficiaries today of that blessing. How many have received the blessing? You've received the blessing. It's in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in him. And, um, and, and the curse is removed. And we are no longer under sin and death, but we are under right, his righteousness. And we have the gift of eternal life. You're going to live forever in heaven with God. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Uh, so um, how do we impart the blessing to our children? I believe we impart it to our children by preaching the gospel to them. Have you told your children about the good news of Jesus Christ? Did you just kind of rehearse it to them all the time? Uh, my mom and dad did. I remember Bobby telling us that, that his mother instructed him when he was eight as he lay on his bed and he received Christ by hearing her instruction. And, um, and so that's one way the God, and, and look, I heard the preacher preach it so many times and you know, the Holy Spirit's drawing me to go down there and shake his hand and say, I just need to get saved, you know, not hold on to that pew, you know, my knuckles turn white. That really, that, I hear preachers say that all the time. That really happened to me like many Sundays, you know. And, uh, but I remember receiving the blessing, the gospel, when, when my mother took me to my pastor. And I've told you this story many times. And I, re I prayed with him right there. And then a couple weeks later, I was water baptized. And, you know, uh, we also lived the gospel in front of them, and we prayed for them to receive Jesus. Um, but Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, when they asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? Peter said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you, everybody say me. me, and it's for your children, say my children. my children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So the blessing of salvation is for you and it's for your household, it's for your children too. That's the promise of God. And when they received Jesus into the heart, they received the blessing of the Lord. Um, a third attribute, a godly father commands his children to keep the way of the Lord. And immediately, uh, the scripture that comes to my mind is, uh, and remember, he says, for I've chosen him, this is the text we read from, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord can bring to Abraham what he's promised him. Um, so Ephesians chapter 6, that scripture comes to mind, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That's the promise. If you honor your parents, you'll live long in the land. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I've, I hope I never made that problem, made that mistake by provoking my children to anger, but I've seen parents rule with a very heavy hand and provoke anger in their children. That was probably unnecessary, right? Um, but he tells us rather than that, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's our duty. Dads, we're, it's our responsibility to make sure that's going on in our home. Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is one we've heard a lot, verses 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And that was the law of the Lord, you know. So God wants us to be diligent uh, in instructing our children. We don't want them to be ignorant about the ways of the Lord, but we want them to be wise unto salvation because they know the knowledge of the truth. So, hey, it's good. Give them a lot of Bible scripture. Let them learn the Bible. Quote from Genesis to Revelation. You know? um, but give them good instruction. And that's part of the, the service here, the ministry here of the gathering is to help you with that in instructing your children when they come here and give them knowledge of the Word. I can remember today just as a kid sitting there and they're holding those posters up and there's a woman at the well, you know, they tell the Bible story. And all those stories stuck with me as a kid. It was not in vain. You know, it stayed with me. It planted the seed of God's Word in my heart and it developed my mind to receive the gospel. Fourthly, a godly father prays for his children. Now, we didn't read about this, but as soon as Abraham learned that God was going down to check out Sodom and Gomorrah, the first thing that came to his mind was, oh my God, nephew, my nephew Lot. He's down there. And he starts interceding before the Lord that God would spare Sodom if he found how many people there. He said, if you find, he started with a big number. I forgot what it was, 20, 15, 50 people. He got down to about, if you find five there, will you spare Sodom? Yes, I will. But he couldn't find that. So he destroyed Sodom, but he did spare Lot, didn't he? And he brought Lot out, except Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. And that's why you tell everybody in church when you've got a walk, clock on the back wall and everybody wants to look back at it, you tell them, remember Lot's wife. <laughs> All right. But um, anyway, he interceded. And, you know, Lot was with him. He, that was his nephew. And um, Lot, when, he had, when they got so big, they couldn't live together anymore. So Lot goes out, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Next thing you know, he's living in Sodom. And uh, I just think, hey, how many times did I pitch my tent towards Sodom and then found myself living in Sodom? And my parents were praying for me, right? And, uh, and I came around to salvation. Um, number five, a godly father protects and provides for his family. Lot also... Got uh, his whole family and all his possessions. These kings came and invaded Sodom and Gomorrah and took all of his family as booty, you know. And, um, and so 
Lot, I mean, Abram got his servants together. He had 318 servants and they all got together and they went and they conquered these kings and he got Lot back. So I look at that as parents. <laughs> Our battle, first of all, is spiritual. It's not really physical, but it is, to the, it is that too. The enemy, the devil, the world, the carnal flesh wants our children. And we see that today. There's, <laughs> we wrestle, though, not against flesh and blood. Spiritual powers of wickedness in high places. But we have to, dads, we've got to guard our kids with social media. You've got to help them with their friend selection. All these are very difficult. I understand when they become teenagers. Uh, but even today, we're hearing about school curriculum, where they're trying to bring in a... Um, Stuff that really goes against our faith as Christians. And, um, and so we have to really guard them. As, and dads, that's your responsibility. It's not always, you oversee it. You know, your parents work together. But those are things that you cannot neglect. Um, and, and really the provision part, all I can remember is the story, and I'll end with this, um, is uh, Abraham when he had to sacrifice his son Isaac. And uh, his, his son's going up there with the wood strapped to him. He said, Dad, I see you've got the wood for the, for the fire, for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? <laughs> and Abraham like, you it, buddy. <laughs> no, he said, the Lord, he said, the Lord will provide. And they got up there, and sure enough, when he was going to go through with this and sacrifice his son in obedience to his, to, to his heavenly father, it, God told him, you know, the angel of the Lord stayed his hand, and God, he proved his love to God, that he loved God more than his only son. And, um, and it, as soon as that happened, a ram was in the thicket, caught in the thicket. God provided the lamb for sacrifice. And God will provide... Everything you need. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. His provision will be seen. And dads, as you lead your family, you might think you can't afford to raise your family spiritually. You can't afford not to, right? God will provide everything you need to raise your family in a godly way. So I'll just end with this. Uh, Joshua's leading Israel and they're going into the promised land. And here's what he says. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which, are your, which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse 15. And so... He said, you might want to serve the gods on the other side of the river. You might want to serve the gods on this side of the river. If it's disagreeable with you to serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And with all the chaos and unraveling of morality and truth in our world today, dads, it is incumbent upon all of us to do like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve the gods of this world. We're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to walk in His ways of righteousness and justice.
because he's commanded us to. You do that, the blessing of the Lord will be upon you. And the proverb says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. Amen. So let's just believe God uh, as, uh, to trust the Lord and obey the Lord and make that declaration. All right, dads. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just thank you, Lord, that you've called us. You've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, you've called us out of the ways of the world to walk in the paths of righteousness and justice, to walk in the paths of the Lord. And God, there's a cost because, Lord, the world does not want us to do that. They want us to, to, to be as they are. But, Lord, you've called us out to be a light to the world, to those that live in darkness. So, Lord, it's easy to want to conform to this world. But you told us not to conform to the world, but be transformed from this world by the renewing of our minds so we can be that good and acceptable, so we can do that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I just pray, God, for all the dads here today. I thank you for their, the faith, the work that you've done in them, and the blessing of the Lord, eternal life, Lord, uh, forgiveness of sins. Lord, you've made them whole. And what the blessing you've given them, you want them to impart it to their children. You want them to instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. And I know there can be many frustrated parents, frustrated dads. We pray for the spirit of encouragement upon them. And Lord, we just pray you just uh, lift up their feeble hands and, uh, and just strengthen, Lord God, their walk with you today. And uh, Lord, we, we just uh, pray that salvation come to every household, to our children, our children's children, because the promise is to them. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.